Our message this morning is titled, What Child Is This? And it's borrowed from that wonderful Christmas carol that everybody loves. The question will prompt us to look into the unique birth and genealogy and, and the challenges to recognize the virgin birth of Christ. I'll be focused on that this morning. The virgin birth, for some people, doesn't seem to mean too much. For some people, it doesn't seem too spectacular. But I want to share the spectacular nature of that very event. The Bible is replete with many extraordinary births. For example, the birth of Isaac. We've been studying Genesis. Isaac is a key person in the Old Testament, and we know that's the foundations of, of the Jewish uh, people. And Isaac was born to Abraham and Sarah. They were well beyond their years of having of the ability to have a baby, and yet they had it. God told Munawah and his wife that they would have a special son. True to his word, the Bible hero Samson was born, the strongest man that ever lived. And Mary's cousin Elizabeth gives birth to the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist. And no birth in scripture or human history has ever compared to the miracle of Jesus' birth. And let's read that again. I don't grow tired of reading it, and I don't grow tired of realizing the amazing facts behind it. So let me share from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. When, as Mary, his mother, was espoused to Jesus before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make a public example of her, was minded to put her away privately. But while, they thought on the, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the Lord, the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So let's break the text down, and let's see what the facts are. First, verse 18 says, Mary was engaged to Joseph. Well, engagement's a little different than pregnant, but she turns out to be pregnant. A pregnancy which did not involve sexual union. Something different about this birth is something amazing about this birth, is something miraculous about this birth. And Mary says in Luke 134, Mary said, how shall this be seeing I know not a man? Even Mary was astonished. Even Mary was surprised by her condition. She had never had intimate relationships with anyone. Creator God who by speaking ordered the universe to be born, now by his Holy Spirit had breathed life into Mary's womb. If that is a miraculous enough, go back to creation. By speaking, God created the heavens and the earth. He put all things into motion. Science is coming to believe more and more that there's more to, the, to creation than they ever realized. As I've told you on several occasions, 
for many, many decades, they could not believe that there was a beginning to the universe, that it had always been. But of course, there stood the Bible. And those words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, there was a beginning to the universe. And God stamped it in this book, never to be changed. Well, science has changed. The Bible has stood firm. There was a beginning to the universe. Verse 19 said that Joseph's response to Mary's explanation of supernatural pregnancy was very disappointed. He didn't believe it. I mean, how could he believe something like this? It was just beyond his ability to get his arms around. It's still 2,000 years later, difficult for us to get our arms around. That someone could not be born in the, in the normal way, in the human way that you were born and I was born. Something different. He didn't want to embarrass his, his fiancée. He didn't want to totally abandon her. But Joseph was smart enough, worldly enough, and knowledgeable enough to know that conception without consummation is impossible. It never happened in history. It defined medicine. It defined science. Years ago, the former CNN host Larry King was asked who he would like to interview across history. He named Jesus. What would you ask him was asked. And he answered, I would ask him if he was indeed virgin birth because the answer to that question would define history for me. There's something about that birth that challenges you, that has you asking questions. People say, well, there are questions raised uh, about our faith that cannot be answered. Oh, let's see. Joseph had been skeptical about the virgin birth 2,000 years ago, but such skeptics abound today. 56% of seminary students, people who are going to one day stand behind a desk like this in front of a congregation like you, 56% of them don't believe in the virgin birth. These future pulpit preachers are taught disbelief by their skeptical, critical professors and scholars. But then those professors don't believe Jesus and Mary traveled to Bethlehem uh, by government decree. They don't even believe Nazareth existed at the time of Jesus' birth. Interestingly, the Muslim Quran, written 600 years later, Jesus affirms, uh, later, 600 years after Jesus, affirms his virgin birth. Even the Muslims say that Jesus was virgin birth. Jesus' birth was not by natural means. That cannot be said of Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, the Pope, you or me. But God's word is the final authority and should be for me and should be for you. I pray for, I pray for you whether or not some of scholars believe it or not. I pray that you'll believe it. I want to encourage you this morning as I continue this message. In verse 20, an angel appears to Joseph and addresses him. Joseph, thou son of David. That's important because one of the things that angel is doing is he's continuing to present the genealogies of Jesus. The tracing of one's ancestors is important to a growing number of people today in 2023. But it's extremely important in the life of Jesus. Let me give you some information about the genealogies of Jesus. There are two accounts of Jesus' ancestors. Matthew 1 
verses 1 to 17, and Luke 3, 28 to 38. Matthew chapter 1 records Jesus' birth from Joseph's line. Luke 3 records Jesus' birth from Mary's line. No contradiction here. People will say there's so many contradictions. Look, even the, even the genealogies don't match up because one's from Mary's lineage and one's from Joseph's lineage. That's pretty straightforward. Matthew chapter 1 begins with Abraham and moves forward in history to Jesus. Luke chapter 3 begins with Jesus and moves backward in history to Adam. And there are no contradictions in those two lines. So that's important for you to remember. Luke's genealogy asserts four important facts. Number one, that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. Say that with me. Jesus is God. How many of you believe that in your heart and in your head, that Jesus is God in the flesh? On earth, Jesus, an, an ancestral son of Adam, was fully human. Think about that. God comes to earth in flesh form. Remember, God the Father is the God you can't see. He said, no man has seen me. And God the Son is the one who has been seen, the one who his disciples saw, heard, touched, and experienced life with. And the Holy Spirit is the God who lives in those who receive Christ as Savior. God the Father, the one who can't be seen. God the Son, the one who has been seen. God the Holy Spirit, the one who lives inside. We call it the Trinity. Thirdly, Jesus was in the ancestral line of Abraham. He was Jewish. How many people are afraid to say that today? Jesus was Jewish. Four, Jesus was in the royal line of King David. He is the promised king who will one day usher in a reign on earth which will be a kingdom of unprecedented glory and peace. That day is coming. Peace on earth is a day that's coming. This is the promise of Jesus Christ. This is the promise of the scripture. There will be a day when Jesus reigns from Jerusalem on this planet. And you will be part of it. And that should be pretty exciting to most of us. For us, it, the story doesn't end at the grave. The story isn't told on your tombstone. The story goes on because there's more to the story than just what you see and what you hear. The story goes on beyond this solar system, off this planet, beyond the universe to a place where God is, to the throne of God, and will come down to earth one day. Matthew 1.21, the angel says, the child will be called Jesus, which means Savior. It is he who will save the world from its sin. The angel says all of these facts fulfill prophecy woven throughout the Old Testament, including his virgin birth written of by Isaiah 700 years earlier. So before the words penned in the New Testament were ever written, in the Old Testament, Isaiah writes 700 years before Jesus is born that he'll be born of a virgin. The other scriptures in the Old Testament go on to say exactly where he'll be born, in Bethlehem. There are those who say, I can believe in Jesus without believing in the virgin birth. When I was interviewing prospective ministers for our district in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, and I was leading the, the, the interviews, I would often ask folks, 
who are being considered for ministry what they believed about the virgin birth. And I would say to you that nearly half of them said they didn't know. They couldn't believe it because it defied science and biology. In my book, that person should not be standing in the pulpit addressing you. There are those who believe solely in the Jesus of history. The one who walked on earth had a new and liberating philosophy, helped people by feeding them or giving them dignity and hope. He was a good man and a great teacher. That's all well and good, but today I confront you not only with the Jesus of history, but I point you to the Bible, there to discover the Jesus of faith. The Jesus of history is the concrete foundation upon which are built apologetics and theology. Eric Meyer, archaeologist, emeritus, professor of Judaic studies in Duke University, says this, the details have been debated for centuries, but no one who is serious doubts that he, Jesus, is an historic figure. I used to hear that when I was a kid growing up. Well, nobody can prove that Jesus was actually on earth. That's been proven over and over again, even since I was a small boy. The Jesus of faith, here's a word, ethereal. That means light, celestial, heavenly, unearthly, spiritual, the God of miracles. And believe me when I tell you this, this really drives liberal scholars up a tree. They cannot and will not accept the miracles of Jesus Christ. And when they get to those portions in Scripture in their studies, they just want to tear those portions out. Miracles? How could you believe that? I believe in miracles. Do you? We serve a God who is the God of miracles. To see this Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, you must take a leap of faith off the cliff of unbelief onto the firm land of Bible-believing conviction. It is a leap of faith, and nobody can change that reality. You have to have faith to believe. God made us for more than intellectual assent to the truths of Scripture. God's aim was for your heart and your mind. God made us to be thinkers. God said, come let us reason together. We can talk intelligently about our faith, and we can share it with people who are intelligent, who are wise, who have wisdom, because our faith is a faith of reason. The logic that comes out of Scripture can be used in your discussions with anybody. Romans 10.9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If you can visualize that, if you can deal with that, if you can believe that, if you can say that that's the hill upon which you will die, that you believe that Jesus came to earth to save you of your sin, that he was crucified, buried, and rose again, that's the gospel. No virgin birth, you say. It's just one small point. Really? No virgin birth, then you'll have to say something. If you don't believe in the virgin birth and you say there was no virgin birth, you'll have to say that the Bible is not true. Because if it's not true in one point, such a big one in my mind, that you don't believe the Bible that Jesus was born of a virgin, then how are you possibly ever going to believe in the resurrection, which is also defying nature, which also is a place where we have to think twice. No virgin birth, 
then Jesus is just an ordinary man. He's a sinner like you and me. If Jesus is a sinner, he can't be my savior. If you don't, if you don't believe in the virgin birth, the first miracle in the New Testament, how can you believe in the miracle of resurrection? And if resurrection is not true, Paul says we have absolutely nothing in our faith. The doctrines of Christ hinge together. You can't have one without the other. Either you're all in or you're not in at all. Are you all in this morning? This is the Christmas season. Are you in? When you think about who is this child, who is this Jesus, you got to buy the whole package. No virgin birth. Well, no virgin birth, no miracles. No miracle of salvation. No miracle of your life being transformed. No miracle of God's healing. No virgin birth, no hope of life beyond the grave. No hope of heaven. And then what? I mean, when I stand before the coffin of someone who is saved, and I talk to that family, I bring them hope. I remind them of what the scripture says about that loved one who is now in heaven with the Lord. Hope beyond the grave. Hope beyond this life. And what are you if you have no hope? You're hopeless. And who can live without? Man cannot live without hope. In his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, Jesus was and is God's miracle gift to humanity. He shows us there is more to life than what is found in the test tube, the mathematical equation, the computer analysis, or what meets the eye. Open your heart to the possibilities and your mind will follow. Let's read that together. Open your heart to the possibilities and your mind will follow. The just shall live by what? Faith. Not a blind faith. It takes that faith to jump off that place from your unbelief to a place of belief. St. Augustine said this, faith is to believe what we do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what we believe. I pray that you have grown since you've gotten saved and you're not just uh, hanging on to the things you learned in Sunday school or the things you learned when you first got saved. I pray and I believe that your hope should be growing every day and you should be getting a firmer grip on what you believe and why you believe. This is why we disciple people in this congregation. Do you know right now we are discipling 19 individuals in this congregation so that they are learning what they believe and why they believe it and they can use that to share the faith of Jesus Christ or solid up their own faith within them. Get to know the true Christ of Christmas as revealed in the Holy Bible, by asking him into your heart today. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, this morning would be the perfect time for you to celebrate your spiritual rebirth on the day of Christ's birth. And when you hear the carol, what child is this? I pray you will know the answer. He is the Christ, the Savior of the world, and our Lord, who alone is worthy to be praised, and all God's people said, let's pray. And so this morning, Father, we thank you for the Christ child, and we thank you for the man 
of our salvation. The man Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that he lived a perfect life on this planet, even though he was tempted in all ways as we are. We thank you, Father, his testimony for walking the earth. We pray, Lord, that our testimony would be a shining example to the people in our life of what it means to be a follower of this Jesus, the Jesus of Scripture, the Jesus of history, the Son of God in flesh. Pray a blessing upon us today in Jesus' name.